Thank you so much, um, Brother Rob. And I invite you to open your Bible, those online that join us for worship today, but also uh, those of us in the room. And we're going to look in the book of Deuteronomy, and we're in chapter number five. We've been doing a series of messages that we've called Foundations. And it's about restoring the foundations, foundations of your life, foundations of your spiritual life, foundations of a moral society and a community of faith. And what is the foundation? It's about rightly relating to God and rightly relating to one another. Deuteronomy chapter number 5 is where we're at, verse number 6. And the scripture says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of slavery, out of the place of slavery, out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Do not have other gods besides me. Do not make an idol for yourself in the shape of anything in the heavens above or on the earth below or on the waters underneath the earth. Do not bow and worship to them. Do not serve them because I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God bringing the consequence of the father's iniquity on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousand generations to those who love me and keep my commands. Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God, because the Lord will not leave anyone unpunished who misuses his name. Be careful to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy As the Lord your God has commanded you, you are to labor six days and do all of your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Do not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your ox or donkey, any of your livestock or the resident alien who lives within your city gates, so that your male and female slaves may rest as you do. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. That's why the Lord your God has commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long and so that you may prosper in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony against your neighbor. Do not covet your neighbor's wife or desire your neighbor's house, his field, his male or female slave, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. The Lord spoke these commands in a loud voice to the entire assembly from the fire, cloud, and total darkness on the mountain. He added nothing more, and he wrote them on two tablets and gave them to me. Father in heaven, as we look into the the word of God today, Father, I pray that you would speak to us about the law and the importance of it, the purpose of it. And, Father, the problem that we have. And, Father, about what you've provided for us. Father, I pray that today that we would understand that our hope is found in Jesus Christ and in him alone. Father, I pray that you speak to us 
Holy Spirit of God, we invite you to do business with our lives today. We need your touch. We need your comfort. And we need your conviction. And we need for you to speak to our lives. Thank you, Father, that you love us so. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look at this passage of Scripture today, we want to think about uh, the message, and this is sort of a concluding message in this series, the purpose of the law. Why was the law given, and what purpose does it have? And then the second thing is the problem with man. We all have a problem, don't we? And that problem's inside of us. And then with the provision of God. What has God provided for us with this problem that we have? And so we're going to look at the Scripture together. This commandments, these Ten Commandments, are about how to rightly relate to God. We're to have no other gods beside Him. We're to worship only Him. We're to take reverence His name and keep it holy and not take His name and use it, misuse it, in vain ways for our own uh, purposes. And then we are to remember His holy day and worship Him and honor Him and rest in Him. And we're to honor the authority that God has placed in our life. And that's the authority of the home and the family. Then he goes on about how do we relate to one another and how that we should treat one another. And he said, listen, you don't don't murder each other. Don't commit adultery. Don't defraud each other. Don't lie to each other. Don't bear false witness. Don't steal from one another. Don't covet what others have. But instead, what he, the law is telling us is love one another. Jesus summarized the law in this way. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, hang on all of the law and the prophets. Amen. So this is fundamental to us. The law is permanent. It is something that God spoke, God gave, and God does not alter. And it's permanent. Jesus said, do not think that I've come to abolish the law. I did not come to abolish it, but to fulfill it. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke of the law will, uh, will pass away until it accomplishes its purpose. For, furthermore, therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Now, the scribes and the Pharisees were meticulous in keeping the law. And so when he said that, it had to hook everybody. But, but how? And then Jesus interprets the law even more thoroughly for them on the Sermon on the Mount. Wow. So today I want us to think about what is the purpose of this law. First of all, the purpose of the law. 
If you look with me in your Bible to the book of Galatians, chapter number 3. Galatians, chapter number 3. Do you have your, your copy of God's Word? Find Galatians, chapter number 3. And we'll begin with verse number 19. Why then was the law given? <laughs> Paul's getting ready to tell us. So what's the purpose of law? Why then was the law given? It was added for the sake of transgressions. Until the seed to whom the promise was made would come. The law was put into effect through angels by a, a means of a mediator. Now, a mediator is not just for one person alone, but God is one. Is the law, therefore, contrary to God's promises? No. The promises of, to Abraham, that he would bless his seed, that he would, would, that he would give promise to his seed. But he says, absolutely not. For if the law had been granted with the ability to give life, then righteousness would have certainly be on the basis of the law. But the Scripture imprisoned everything under sin's power so that the promise might be given on the basis of faith in Jesus Christ to those who believe. Before this faith came, we were confined under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith was revealed. The law then was a guardian, a tutor unto Christ, so that we could be justified how? By what? Faith. But since the fat faith has come, we're no longer under a guardian, for through faith you are all sons of God in Christ Jesus. This is one of the things that Paul is telling us. Number one, the law of God was given to reveal the will, will of God to us. Do you want to know the will of God and how to rightly relate to him and, and to one another? You don't have to guess at that. It is the revealed will of God that's given to us in the law. Secondly, it is to teach us how to relate to God and to men. You want to know how you relate to God and men? Look at what the law of God says, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Do not make any idols in your heart and worship them. To not take his name in vain. To reverence and not have any other God beside him. He's first place in your life. Secondly, how to relate to others. To love them. Don't steal for them, don't use them, don't murder them, don't slay them, don't lie about them, but you love them. You're to love your neighbor as yourself. The third thing that the law teaches us is, is that it re, the law does, the purpose of the law, it reveals sin in our lives. And this is the very thing that Paul is saying in Galatians. The law was given to reveal that we are sinful in our life. It, bring, it, it is revealing to us that we've got a problem. This past week, my tooth was just bothering me. It, it was a lower tooth, and, my, and it, my jaw was throbbing, and the tooth was aching. Anything hot or cold would send me through the roof. I felt like the tooth was not right, and I'd gone to the doctor a couple of weeks before, the dentist, and the dentist had put a crown on that tooth, but it was still severe pain in my mouth. You ever had that in your, you know what I'm talking about? And so tooth pain just 
pardon the pun, it's gnawing on you. And, uh, and so uh, it, it is, it's rough. And so I, I went back to the dentist. I said, we've got a problem in here. And uh, he looked at it, messed around, and took some pictures, and he said, look, I'm going to send you to uh, an endodontist, and uh, this specialist then will look at your tooth more closely. So I made an appointment. I was able to get in, and so they went in, and they looked at my tooth. And after a while, they did all kinds of tests and, and x-rays and stuff, and I don't know what they did because I was nervous and praying. And so anyway, uh, and then she comes in and she goes, look, you, you've got a problem. I said, I know. She goes, well, it's deep inside of that tooth. And we're going to have to do surgery on that tooth. I said, well, how come my dentist didn't see this? And she said, well, I have equipment that he doesn't have. And I can see deeper than he can see. The law of God was given so the Spirit of God reveals, using His law, the depth of sin in our lives. And it shows us that we are all, we've got a problem. And the problem is deep inside of us. And the issue is sin inside of us. The law reveals our sinfulness. The law reveals our selfishness. The law reveals our lack of loyalty to the Lord. The law reveals our lack of love to God. And the law comes to reveal this to us, the lack of love toward brothers or sisters. And this is what the law of God does. Romans chapter number 2 Romans chapter number 2. Do you have your Bible? Look with me to Romans chapter number 2. I don't think I have this on the screen. So Romans chapter number 2, verse number 12. Now concerning the law, we're going to skip through this uh, several passages of Scripture, but look with me, those at home joining us. Romans chapter 2, verse 12. For all who sin without the law will also perish without the law, and all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. You say, well, is that right that the Gentiles don't have the law so they don't know about sin? Oh, Paul says, yes, they do. He said, so when the Gentiles, verse 14, who do not by nature have the law, do what the law demands, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law, they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts. They have a conscience. They know they intuitively know God has put it within them about right and wrong, and they are condemned by the law and their own sinfulness as well. He says in verse 16, On that day when God judges people, what people have kept secret according to my gospel to the Lord, uh, through, through Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus. Verse 17, If you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law, he says, and some of you think, well, those poor Gentiles, they don't have the law. They don't have the covenant of promise. They don't have circumcision. They don't have the law. They are not right with God like we are. If you have that kind of arrogance, he says, let me tell you about you. He said, you, verse 16, you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve the things that are superior, being instructed from the law. 
And if you're convinced that you're a guide for the blind, a light to those in darkness, an instructor of the ignorant, a teacher of the immature, having the embodiment of knowledge and truth in the law, you then, who teach another, don't you teach yourself? You who preach, you must not steal. Do you steal? And you who say, you must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who detest idols, do you rob temples? And you who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Wow. Paul said the law reveals sin in Jew and Gentile alike, and we are all shut up underneath sin and its judgment. This brings us to the problem of man. We have a problem, and it's deep inside of us. And here's the problem. Number one, we are all lawbreakers, aren't we? All of us have broken the law of God. All of us have sinned against Holy God. In, the, in, in Galatians chapter 3, verse number 22, but the scripture imprisoned everything under sin's power. You see, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. How many in this room agree with me that all of us have sinned? If you agree, would you raise your hand? We're all sinners, yeah. The rest of you are just lying, right? And so, listen, the truth of the matter is all of sin. There's none righteous, no, not even one. The Bible says all of, we, all of us, all we, like sheep, have gone astray, and everyone has turned to his own way. You are a lawbreaker. You are a lawbreaker. You're a criminal. You are a sinner. And you're under the judgment of God. And and the Bible says the soul that sins will surely die. And the wages of sin is death. This is man's problem. We're all lawbreakers. And secondly, we're all condemned because we've all broken the law and we're underneath God's judgment. So we are condemned to death. The book of Romans, chapter number 5. Romans chapter number 5. I've got to tell you the bad news before we get to the good news. Romans chapter 5, verse number 12. Look at it. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way, death spread to all people. Why? Because all sinned. In fact, sin was in the world before the law, but sin was not charged to a person's account when there is no law. What he's saying is, he says, we are all sinners. Listen, I'm looking out of here in this crowd, and I see us all wearing masks, most of us. Why? We're getting shots and vaccines. Why? Because we don't want this virus, right? We're trying to protect one another. We're trying to protect our own selves because of this virus. Can I tell you something much worse than coronavirus? And that's the virus of sin. And sin has spread to every person. It happened in the very first man and the very first woman. And it has infected all of us. And all of us are sinners by nature and by choice and by decision in our life. And it's brought death into our world. The wages of sin is death. So we all need a Savior. 
We are condemned because of sin. Romans chapter number 7, verse number 7. Romans 7, beginning with verse number 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Absolutely not. But I would not have known sin if it were not for the law. This is what the law does. For example, I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, do not covet. And sin, seizing seizing an opportunity through the command, produced in me coveting of every kind. For apart from me, the law, uh, the law, Apart from the law, sin is dead. Once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. The commandment was meant for life, but it resulted in death for me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. So then the law is holy. There's nothing wrong with the law. It's beautiful. The command is holy and just and good. Therefore, did what is good become death to me? Absolutely not. But sin, in order to be recognized as sin, was producing death in me through what is good, so that through the commandment, sin might become sinful beyond measure. Wow. It's sin that's the culprit inside of us. Sin is killing us. Sin. And the law is perfect, but it reveals a problem with sin in us, and it is deadly. Sin has spread to all of us. And so when the commandment comes, don't do this, sin raised its ugly head, and I, broke the, I break the law. And that is exactly what we see. We even see it in our little children. How many of you got little children? Some of us do. Little grandchildren. You remember these days. You say to your children, don't touch that. What are they wanting to do? You know why? Because they're sinners. They are sinful. They are little sinners. They are. They caught it from you. And they caught it from the, the whole world that we live in. It's fallen. And they were born into sin. And sin rages in a little one just as it rages in you. Don't you tell me that you think, oh, they're just innocent little angels. No, they're not. They can be, but they're little demons too. There's sin inside of them. It's infected them. And the law is good. Don't touch that. Don't do. But sin causes them to rebel and transgress. And it brings death into our life. Here's the other thing that we need to understand is you can't fix your problem. Some of you think you can fix your own problem. You cannot fix your sin problem. And you can't fix somebody else's sin problem. There's only one that can fix our sin problem. 
August Toplady wrote in a famous hymn, Not the labor of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save, and thou alone. Salvation is only found in the provision that God has made in Jesus Christ. That brings us to the last part of the sermon, which is, please stay with me, the last part of the message, the provision of God. What the law could not do, God did in sending his son for us, to die for us, those, those of us who are separated from God by sin. God sent his son to fulfill the law of God. In Galatians chapter number 4, verse number 4, listen to what Paul says. When the fullness of time came, when the time to completion, when the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Verse 4, Jesus Christ was, came and was born. We just celebrated this at Christmas, and we're celebrating his work for us. He was born of a woman. Jesus Christ is fully man. He is God in the flesh, fully incarnate man. He fulfilled the law of God completely. He never sinned. He lived a perfect life without sin. God made him who knew no sin to become sin on our part. He is the just one who died for unjust ones. He is perfect. Jesus said, when you see me, you've seen the Father. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. There's only one perfect man who ever walked on the face of this earth, and that's Jesus Christ. The second Adam who came to restore all things to God. He lives perfectly with no sin in him. He is, with, he is a lamb without spot or blemish. Pilate examined him this week. We're thinking about these things. Jesus comes into Jerusalem. They're singing Hosanna, praising him as a savior. And then they arrest him in the garden. They take him to an all-night interrogation. And they, they slap him and mock him and make fun of him. And then they send him to Pilate. And Pilate examines him and he says, I find no fault in him. This is a good man. Jesus redeems us, but he was better than Pilate knew. <clears throat> He's the perfect man, the Son of God. Jesus redeems us from law's penalty. Notice what Paul says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 5. He says, In the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption as sons. He came to redeem us. Let's focus on that word for a moment. What does it mean to redeem something? If you're going to redeem something, what do you do? You, you purchase it back, right? Something that that is held by another, but you purchase it for yourself with a price. Jesus said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. He's, there's a purchasing that Christ, the Bible says, you've been bought with a price. 
Therefore, glorify God in your body. What were you redeemed with? First Peter tells us you're redeemed by not silver or gold, but the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Christ died our death that we deserve. He bore your sins and he bore my sins. He bore your sins and your sorrows and he made them his very own. He bore the burden to Calvary. And he suffered and he died alone. God has made him who knew no sin to become sin on our part. They abused our Savior. Remember, we think about these things this week. They abused our Savior. They spat in his face. They humiliated him. They mocked him. He was before Annas and Caiaphas and, and the Sanhedrin. And, the, and what did they do? They, they mocked him all night long, interrogated him all night long, treated him like a criminal all night long that he was a blasphemer. He was not. They brought in and hired and paid people to witness against him, and they lied about him. But he was a perfect man. They, they blindfolded him, and they slapped him, and they said, nay, and they mocked him as a prophet, You're such a good prophet. Now prophesy to us now. Who hit you? And then they take him to Pilate. Pilate examines him. He finds no wrong in him. Sends him to Herod. He finds nothing wrong. They send him back to Pilate. Pilate is a weakling before the masses. He turns him over to the soldiers. The soldiers mocked him, made fun of him. He's a king. Oh, a king needs a crown. They crowned him with thorns. A king. They beat him with rods. They put a scepter in his hand, a reed, and they made fun of him as a king. And they took him outside of the city to a place called Golgotha, which means skull. And in a rocky outcrop there is where they often executed people near a road. And they hung him on a cross between two thieves, and the crowds were below, and they mocked him. He saved others. Let's see him save himself. They mocked him as a savior, mocked as a prophet, mocked as a king, mocked as a savior. And he died for our sins. And we'll never know, but in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son to redeem us. And he redeemed us with the very precious blood of Jesus. We were lawbreakers. We had the judgment of death in us. But the perfect law fulfiller died vicariously for us. And he bore our sins and our sorrows. The sinless one became sin for us. And the holiness of God, God himself was satisfied. And Christ cries out from the cross, it is finished, paid in full for all of your sin and for mine. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Amen. Amen. He redeems us from law's penalty by faith. You say, Pastor Tim, then how Am I, as a sinner and under condemnation, if Jesus did this, then how is this realized in my life? I'm glad you asked. It's by faith. You put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The Bible says the righteous shall live 
by faith. By the works of the law, no flesh is justified. You can't earn or work your way into heaven. It's by grace. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not something you earn or work or deserve. But by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It's, 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 it's a gift from God. And it's not because you've worked for it. Amen. Amen. Oh, what marvelous grace. It's amazing grace. That'd be a good song to write. And God has transformed us so that we might know him personally. This salvation is so that we might personally Know the God who gave us this law that we might have a personal relationship with Jesus, with God through Jesus Christ. And that's why he says in Galatians chapter 4, to redeem those under the law that we might receive. Now listen to what he says. Adoption as what? Sons. Sons and daughters. Huh? Because you are sons. And God sent the spirit of his son, what? Into where? Our what? Hearts. Crying what? Abba. Daddy. Father. Wow. You can know God personally through Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? Amen. Book of Jeremiah, chapter 31. Do you have your Bible? Look with me. The Jeremiah, chapter 31, and verse number 30, verse number 33. Instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, the Lord's declaration. I will put my teaching within them. Now notice. And write it where? What's it say? Write it on what? Their hearts. And I will be their God and they will be my people. Now let me show you something really cool. In the Old Testament, he gives the law to Moses on a mountain. And he writes it on tablets of stone. With his own finger. But the prophet Jeremiah said, I see a day when God will do a work in his people. And the law won't be something over them in tablets of stone. But it will be something in them that God will write with his own finger on your hearts. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? It's beautiful. And listen to what he says. In Jeremiah, he says, No longer will one teach his neighbor or his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me, from the least to the greatest of them. And this is the Lord's declaration, for I will forgive their iniquity and never again remember their sin. Wow. That's what God does for all of us. 
In the book of Ezekiel, in the book of Ezekiel, chapters 36, verse 25, listen. I will also sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean, and I will cleanse you of all your impurities and all your idols, and I will give you a new heart, and I'll put a new spirit within you, and I'll remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Now listen. And I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes carefully and my ordinances. Isn't that beautiful? He says, I'm going to do, I'm not only going to forgive you and change you, I'm going to write my law inside of you. I'm going to give you a new spirit. I'm going to fill your life. And I'm going to change you. And you will know me personally. When I went to that tooth specialist, you know what she said? She said, you got a problem in there. I said, I know I've got a problem. She said, this is what I'm going to do. I said, what? She said, I'm going to do surgery. And I'm going to drill down deep in there and take all that out. I said, awesome. <laughs> and she said, now, and not only that, I'm going to fill it with medicine so it gets cured. And not only that, then I'm going to come and back, you're going to come back, I'm going to take all that medicine out, and I'm going to fill it with something good so that it never happens again. And that's what God does. He does surgery in your heart. He removes and he puts something in your life. And that's the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? And that's what God wants to do in your life and in mine. And when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, he writes one new commandment that fulfills all of them. And a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you love one another. Let me tell you what Christians look like. They love God, and they love one another. Four words describe what a Christian is. Love God. Love others. Love God. Love others. Now, you, I want you to say it out loud. Love God. Love Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And say this with me. Love others. That's what it means to be a Christian. You love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You've surrendered to Jesus as the Lord of your life. Love God. Love Him. And let Him change you to love others. <laughs> By this shall all men know that you're mine. When you love one another. Let me tell you what Christianity isn't. Christianity is not a bunch of rules. It's not about laws. 
It's not about politics, praise God. It's not about performance and not about judgmentalism. It's not about legalism. It's about loving God and loving others. And it can only happen if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Have you trusted Him? Have you put your faith in Him? You can't earn your way to heaven. The law exposes the problem. It's sin. But God gave the promise and the provision. It's Jesus. And He can change your life. Father in heaven, have your way in our hearts, our lives this day. In Jesus' name, we need you, Lord. Lead us to repent from sin to embrace Christ by faith, and to be transformed by your Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.